Are you thinking, is this it? Waking up in the morning and ugh, I have to go to work? When is it going to end? If you ever wonder why we ask questions during our podcasts. Nah, you just listen for the free tips. We ask questions for you to get coaching without paying the expense of a private coach and for you to get help right away because the world needs you to be better. And now it's even easier for you to get the inspiration you need to make your life and relationships meaningful with the Building Better Relationship Journal and Meditation your personal coaching journal that finds the gold in you that makes life joyful and, yes, worth getting out of bed every morning, along with the Building Better Relationships meditation that attracts the energy and love you want in your life. What are you waiting for? Yeah, baby, this is it. Live love now. To learn more and to purchase the Building Better Relationships at Home and Work Journal and Meditation, go to https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash bbr journal. That's https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash bbr journal. You can find the link in the show notes. better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In today's episode, Angela and Patty will discuss whether twin flame is a myth or the real deal. This topic came about when someone asked me about Twin Flame. I didn't know much about Twin Flame, so I asked Angela if she knew about the Twin Flame concept. Angela does and suggested we do a podcast episode on this topic. And of course, I'm always open to learning something new. And we were a little concerned that this topic might be a bit (laughs) (laughs) woo-woo. So if it's too woo-woo for you, you can find another topic. So this concept, the twin flame, became very popular uh, through YouTube, even different healers and teachers. I feel this concept, the origin of the term twin flame, actually comes from an old idea of kindred spirits. So some of you might know that feeling when you meet someone and you just feel, ah. And I feel that the term twin flame has been used to explain to people that sense of fatedness in a connection, like you were destined to meet. However, I feel the teachings around twin flames often leave people thinking that they should be able to attract this perfect partner and that there is something wrong with them if they have not found this ideal mate. And that's what I've found is really not helpful in the teachings around twin flames. So today we're going to explore how to use the twin flame concept constructively to build a better relationship with yourself and to look at love as a journey to understanding what you came to learn about love and how to honour your relationships. After being asked about twin flame, I researched the definition of twin flame and soulmates. I didn't realise there are such a variety of soulmates. There may be other explanations and names for them, but I will share what I found. What is a twin flame? A twin flame is also known as mirror soul. A twin flame is when two souls split in two, or two people are mirror images of each other. 
resulting in an instant connection when twin flames meet. And it's your soul's other half. Finding the soul is much like finding yourself. People spend their lives searching without realizing they are looking for someone just like them and often never find them in this lifetime. Unfortunately, there is little scientific evidence for twin flame relationships, although some psychologists argue it is real. I don't agree with the idea that two souls split in two. That <laughs> does not really vibe with me. I do believe that we have souls that you feel deep affinity with. But in my experience, souls belong to a group of souls. And you can't have two halves of one soul. We all belong to a soul group. Well, Angela, I thought this was odd. And how could a soul be split in two? I like the term soul groups because I can see that happening. What about, can I ask you about that feeling of the soul group? What does that feel? How does that feel more, like, realistic or? Yes, because the people in your lives, they're all teaching you a lesson and you're teaching them a lesson. So I can understand how people can be part of a soul group. Their soul contract to you is to help you learn this about yourself and you're there to help them learn that about themselves. That's why I think there can be a soul group. Yeah, every person actually is a mirror for us, not just a sort of ideal romantic partnership. Right. And I think the twin flame concept, people wanted this one person to meet them at that very, very deep level. But I just think that splitting a soul in two is not necessary to do that because in our soul group, from my experience in meditation work, there's so many souls. And I believe in past lives and reincarnation. And those souls keep on coming back to integrate and teach. And they may play romantic roles for you or they play other roles. So in, in any soul group, you can have two of those souls who have a very deep affinity with each other and you don't need to split the soul in two because if you did split that would diminish the nature of a soul itself of which is to carry the spirit or the essence the first spark of light that is born is then carried by a soul which is a spiritual form which then gets put into a body when it is born into earth so for me, the idea of Twin Flames is a simplification of the connection between two souls that belong to a soul group who have that deep, deep affinity. And in your soul group, you may have many facets to your soul. So you could be like a multifaceted holographic diamond or crystal <laughs> that has all these different parts of your soul. And many members in your soul group reflect those different facets back to you. So for me, I see us as a multi-multi-faceted kind of crystallized form, even though the soul would not like a crystal at all, with many, many facets, or like 360 degrees of a sphere, meaning that you could have many relationships throughout your lives that reflect an aspect of you or many aspects of you, and some of those will not be pleasant. <laughs> whereas others will reflect that part of you that feels very close to what you are desiring to experience in this lifetime. And furthermore, each lifetime you are in this life to really deeply experience a few facets of yourself and, and complete them. So it must be that that person that comes in that you partner with at that deep level must trigger that aspect of you but that's not the only aspect of you so I, I, to think that there's this one flame i think that's just not enough i think we're much more multi-layered what is a kindred spirit a person whose interests 
or attitudes are similar to your own. Two people who connect through their similar values and interests. Kindred spirits are the family of the soul. Angela, is the family of the soul similar or the same as a soul group? So I'm just clarifying family members in real life, um, the family that you have on the physical plane, are not necessarily, they can be part of your soul group, but they're not necessarily your soul group. So for example, you could be born into a family on earth and think, who are these people? Am I adopted? <laughs> uh, I did. Um, but that's, that's because you've been put in a family dynamic in order to assist that family and to help you um, to learn through the conflict of feeling like you're adopted or not belonging to that family. But they may not be part of your soul group. So my family in this life is part of my soul group. I know that. And it's in my immediate family. But my extended family, I don't always feel that. My, my nuclear family, I feel that. But my extended family, I don't feel that. I feel like with my, some of my extended family, that they're aliens. So many times we chose that this family dynamic for exactly the reason of conflict, that you feel like you, you don't quite fit or that you've, you have actual conflict internally or externally with them to work on a particular lesson for you and your soul group. If you feel like an alien in your family, consider yourself lucky because you're going to learn your lesson quickly and <laughs> deeply, <laughs> maybe through conflict, but you'll learn it. And that will not just help you, but it also helps your soul group to resolve lessons that it needs to finish as well or to achieve to move through stuff. Kinder spirits may occur in any type of relationship, including romantic and platonic. Unlike soulmates, who often describe their connections as two separate linked souls, kindred spirits feel very similar to one another. However, they aren't as connected as a twin flame. Describe described as one soul split into two bodies. Yeah, so this is where I feel the twin flame idea is a modern adaptation of an old idea of kindred spirits. To help people today, because twin flames started to become popularized more around the 60s, I think in the 1920s the concept came in, but it was then more pop became into popular culture in the 60s and 70s. And I think that popularization was so people could start looking at feelings of longing to find a missing part of themselves. For me, a kindred spirit is simply a member of your soul group and you're not just connected to one twin. You may have many potentials for a twin from your soul group. It depends on how you choose in this life before you come here at the soul level, you will choose, I'm going to choose this member of my soul group to learn this in the intimate relationship. And you decide how you want to learn and who you want to learn with before you come here in the physical body. So I've heard some people feel that their twin flame is not incarnated in a physical body in this lifetime with them. And this may be that they have a connection to souls that are not incarnated in a physical body However, if you've got that feeling that your twin flame somehow is not here on this planet Earth, it shouldn't stop you from searching for a relationship in this life where you can build a deep bond with someone. It shouldn't prevent you from finding intimacy. I would never recommend staying in this concept, oh, my twin flame isn't born yet, or uh, they're in the fifth dimension. I've heard all these things. I don't think it's healthy and it puts you in a state of lack. It's not good for your soul or your personality. So if you've got that feeling, oh, I had this strong connection and now that twin flame has disappeared or they don't exist or I can't connect, it could be something that you're going through as a phase for your personality to grow 
but don't just stay in that phase because it can be quite painful and it stops you actually from connecting. What is a soulmate? A soulmate is someone who you feel deeply connected to, but not in a dependent or needy way. The guiding principle is that a relationship between soulmates is equal because a soulmate relationship should challenge you to move from selflessness to give. Yeah, from selfishness. Selfishness. <laughs> yeah. So I really love that um, description of helping us move from selfishness to give. And being selfish is good in some situations when you're focusing on developing a better relationship or understanding of yourself. But if you're only focused on benefiting yourself, that's fairly pointless. Um, I mean, you don't need to be on earth to do that. You can just be in the spirit form and focus on yourself. <laughs> but we're here to actually connect and to give, to learn. But once you learn whatever your soul came to learn, you're giving to your soul group. I really do know that soulmates exist. Um, soul contracts and agreements are part of that soulmate relationship. We come back with those souls to work on unresolved energy and we agree to be together and have a strong bond with the person. And you may even hate each other. You might leave each other, but there's still a sense of a connection. So in this twin flame teachings, they tend to say, they give you activities to try and find uh, this twin flame. And I, don't, I really don't think that that's healthy because soulmates, you will find each other. If you've agreed before you come here <laughs> to work on stuff, you will find each other. You don't need to go out searching. I mean, I've in my mind spoken to my soulmates and then later I found them at the right time. So it's always up to you once you're born on this plane to choose to understand the reason for the relationship. So for example, you might have a soulmate connection, but you might be unconscious of what the purpose of that soulmate connection is. And so you have free will or choice to, to work on that and to, to understand that. So you might not understand it, for example, if you're a mother and a child, you might not have the capacity as a child to understand the nature of the soulmate connection, but 40 years later it might come to you or 15 might, years later it might come to you. So if you, if you have an um, unresolved energy with someone who's a soulmate uh, or you feel like you can't find that person, you, you know, might beat yourself up for not finding someone in a romantic relationship. And that's very not helpful because <laughs> it won't help you feel loved. It'll, keep you feeling like you're not finding this person, you're not good enough, there's a reason that you're doing something wrong. And that's just not what soulmates are designed for. We are connected at the soul group level. Our identity is deeply entwined with that group of people. And we continue to incarnate with them over many lifetimes, but not every lifetime. So if you see it that way, eventually you're going to find the right soulmates to help you understand what you came to learn. You're never going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're always in the right place. Angela, you and I are probably in the soul group, right? I believe, I believe we definitely are. One reason I really know we are is I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> I keep forgetting, Patty, that you and I have never actually physically met in person. It's like I know you, like I physically met you. So Patty and I, we met through our coaching school, which is an online coaching school. You do everything online. And we never met in person, but I feel like I know you <laughs> and I feel connected to you. And throughout the week, 
I'll have thoughts and I just think about you. That's a very strong soul connection. And it, I know it's a soul connection because it's based on feeling connected without a physical body <laughs> connection. What do you feel, Patty? We haven't discussed the soul group yet, but I was thinking maybe we were karmic soulmates. And when we talk about that, that'll kind of maybe explain what I mean. Right. Okay. Let's let's get to that. Um, so, so going back to my perception of that twin flame idea, I feel it's too reductionist. It's reducing the complexity of our soul group relationships, and it suggests that there's only one person out there that can meet you. So, the the concept of twin flame, I think, also came about from. The period of the 20s was Jung and Freud, and Jung was very important in our understanding of the subconscious and collective unconscious. And he was really promoting ideas where you begin to face your own soul. You, you build a relationship with your soul. And I, I, I totally agree with Jung about that. You, every person is responsible for finding out how to meet their own soul. So I think the twin flame concept started to become popularized because it was a way to see a reflection of yourself through this person that deeply, deeply understood you and reflected you. In my um, understanding of the universe and Earth, any relationship can help you understand, can be a catalyst to understand your own soul. And any intimate relationship or work relationship, which Patty is much more <laughs> attuned to with her experience in, as a manager in the workplace through very crazy situations. Um, and they really work relationships are very triggering, as Patty talks about in her other podcast. What's the other podcast, Patty? Can you explain that? Yeah, sure. It's Exploring Life and Work with Patty. And it's for managers and supervisors, and I talk about different things that managers and supervisors experience and how to go from chaos to calm. And you explain how managers deal with the S-expletive stuff in the workplace, and, they, and, and that is very, that's a big clue that you're doing karmic work. <laughs> and you're dealing with relationships. So those work relationships that really trigger you are definitely to trigger your relationship to your soul, a deeper connection to your soul. Right. And sometimes when you're in that BS, um, it brings out the worst of you, and then you have to deal with that behavior that was projected on others or yourself beating yourself up afterwards. So there's a lot that goes on when you're dealing with all the different relationships at work. Yeah. So those work and business relationships are so important to um, learning and seeing what's unresolved energy in your soul. Yes. So to your managers out there, Patty, I feel for them, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to have that. <laughs> that's not that's not where I do I do business relationships and I certainly will face my own BS but they, then I had to take responsibility as what it was reflecting in my journey romantic soulmates ignite one another's passions through their time together passion can be very brief um, that burns hot and then extinguishes. But for those rare romantic soulmates, the flame constantly burns, and they're both committed to keeping the fire lit throughout their time together. That sounds very uh, enticing, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it reminds me of the sacred temples when we used to have the flame in the temple and the priestesses used to come and keep the fire lit constantly 
365. They didn't have 365 days a year back then because they didn't have a Gregorian calendar, but they kept the flame alive. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because a lot of these spiritual concepts of keeping the flame burning and, and we transpose that to a romantic sexual connection, but they actually are from original sacred temples where mm. devotion was to, to the soul, to the mm. God self, to the spirit in the physical body and keeping the flame alive. So passionate connections make us feel connected to something bigger than ourselves and they help you start looking at deeper layers of yourself, not just the personality. And that's the deepest part of yourself is your soul. We can't really describe it. Um, and it, it does need to... Um, those, those ideas of keeping the flame alive, that was about developing a relationship with your soul, not with your ego, not the superficial parts. And Jung was all about that. That's what Jung was tapping into in the 20s. He was trying to bring that into the collective consciousness more consciously because Jung was very um, important in terms of modern psychology. We tend to want to describe things, but he was saying in our dream state, there are things that cannot be described through the intellect. We need to go more into art, images, which is all work of the soul. Um, in my meditation, yeah, yeah, because Jung is sort of poo-pooed by a lot of, um, let, let me just say, modern clinical psychology. Um, there are a few people that still really promote Jung's teachings. But in modern psychology, it's more done through clinical work because of the money put into research around drugs and managing depression, managing disorders. But Jung had, has a lot of material that is a huge resource for modern psychology, but it's only, it's more through psychotherapy that his work has succeeded. And clinical psychology doesn't really, really do much with what he, he offered us. In my meditation work, I came across this um, teaching, or I discovered it, of, of a term called soul lover. So the soul lover is a soul mate that over several lifetimes you've played the role of being a, a, an intimate lover with the person. Because at the soul level, we don't have a body. <laughs> So we don't have sex, right? So a soul lover, though, is someone that you've incarnated with physically on Earth where you actually have romantic, intimate, sexual love. And these are soul contracts or agreements with people in your soul group that you came to specifically experience romantic connections. So you've either you've shared your body physically, intimately to create children. That's a big piece. You've created children together, which has another dimension to romantic love. Or you've shared physical, emotional and sexual intimacy. And so your bodies in this life actually have a soul memory of that intimacy, which often translates as chemistry. So that mysterious word, right, chemistry, or a feeling of familiarity or a deep heart knowing that you are to be with this person intimately. Now, however, <laughs> here's a caveat. One thing people forget is that you may have in different lives been both romantic soulmates and also enemies. Okay, so the connection across lifetimes is not always romantic. So I'll give you an example. I had a romantic soulmate connection in this life and there was a instant attraction. However, later I learned that that person in this life was repulsed by my body and by my smell. And then I discovered in a past life that we had got consumed by our sexual and romantic relationship to the exclusion of all other parts of our life. So in this life, when we came back together, we were to see that that was not the purpose of our relationship. And we were to take responsibility for that, and we broke up. So people often confuse sexual attraction and instant attraction as meaning they're deeply connected. 
to a person and supposed to have a relationship. That is often not the case. Sometimes it is, but often it's not. So the song uses sexual attraction and chemistry to bring you together to learn something, not to have some fantasy or what you think the relationship is supposed to be, not at all. It's to break your fantasy, bust your illusions. So you need to be discerning when you have sexual chemistry. And the most easy way is to ask yourself, what do I want from the relationship? Now, your mind is going to tell you all this stuff, then <laughs> your fantasy is going to go crazy and your hormones are going to go nuts. So go through all of that and then sit, get quiet, breathe, connect to your heart, ask, okay, 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 what do I want from the relationship? It may take you a while to get to the soul because our mind is pretty easily distracted and our emotions and our bodies want something else. <laughs> In my case... Um, with that example I shared, one thing I learned was not to allow sexual attraction to be the most important piece of my intimate relationship. It must always be the heart because the heart is so important to me. That's a big lesson I came to explore in this life. So I would never have learned that without the connection to this person. This person did me such a great service. A soul group member must play a role where they choose to reflect to you a piece of your growth that needs to be challenged or integrated or resolved in this lifetime. So before you incarnate into the body, you decide with your life guides what pieces you're going to work on and different members of your soul group step forward and they go, I'll play that role to help you. And you'll go, yeah, that'll be great. Oh, maybe, yeah, okay. And you, you actually arrange it with all of the members and, and naturally, those members will step forward who know that they're going to help you and you're going to help them organically. So perhaps you have hurt your romantic partner in another life. And this life, you're going to now experience that feeling of the hurt you created for them. Or maybe you left them alone and went to war and then in this life, you'll experience being alone while they're away. Or another case could be you both lost a child in a lifetime. So now in this life, you don't want to commit to be with the person in this life. No way. Until you actually see the hurt that you carried from that loss. So romantic connections are never only about romance but always about the feelings that you carried in a previous relationship from different lifetimes, that because of the relationship now in this body, in this life, you can finally resolve or face. I know of someone who would not commit in this lifetime until he saw how he had lost children in another life. And then finally, once he realized why he was not being able to commit, he saw it, then um, he realized because of what his life had shown him in this life, he wasn't going to lose children, he was able to then move on to commit. There's also a beautiful uh, researcher on uh, past lives called Oliver Lazar, and he talks about losing a child. So he had an experience in this life where he realized because of that loss, it was affecting the way he felt in this life. A soul partner is someone you haven't seen in years, and when you reunite with them, you feel like time and separation have no bearing on the depth of your connection. Yeah, I wonder, Patty, if we have a little bit of this in us, actually. <laughs> This is, I feel, is what I know as a soul group member. I think a soul partner can be many people in your soul group, someone you can pick up the conversation with as if no time has passed because the connection is always there. I've even found that sometimes someone I'm connected to at a soul level, all I need to hear is the tone 
of their voice. They can even speak a foreign language and begin blah, 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 blah. I don't hear the words, I hear their tone and mm -hmm. there's an instant connection. Patty, do you have a connection that maybe you can share like that? Have you had a soul partner feeling? Yes. I have a couple of longtime friends when I haven't seen or talked to them for a while. When we talk or get together, it has no bearing on us. I love that. I'm bad at staying in constant contact with people. They understand. But when we do talk or get together, it's like we were never away from each other. So the next one is the karmic soulmates, the one that I had mentioned earlier. All right. When you're in sync, this kind of relationship doesn't require love or intimacy. Instead, it relies on putting your best selves forward to achieve something that matters. You may have many karmic soulmates in a lifetime, and they come into your life to teach you a valuable lesson. They can be a family member, close friends, co-workers, and pets. Karmic relationships can be romantic. However, they usually don't last very long, and you learn from personal growth. Yes, I believe all relationships can be karmic. And what that means, karma, is that anything, hurt or good or bad, um, or good or bad, the soul doesn't see it as good or bad because it's always growth, but anything that you have impacted that person with, any hurt or any other good things, um, anything you've given them, that you'll also experience that. So it's just cause and effect. And you'll either do it in this life or a future life because it just keeps on going. It doesn't end. There's no time dimension, really, with any energy that you impact each other's souls with. And so anything, any good bonds that you've created will also be there as a resource to connect to in this lifetime. And I, I love, Patty, how you described it as a, a source of growth because mm -hmm. I think the karmic relationship is more than the others connected to to the focus centrally, it's always on connection, but it's about growth. The focus and the dharma is another word we won't get into, but it's like what you're here to do is to grow and to resolve that karma. So the most important thing to learn, to grow through, is that all relationships are here to teach us how our thoughts, our feelings, our actions that we have created and how they impact the world, people, animals, and all creation. All our relationships are a reflection of what we created from all our past lives. So when you think about that, it's actually quite astounding, like the butterfly effect. Something that you... The butterfly effect is like when the butterfly flaps its wings in the forest, the ripples of its wings ripple out to affect the whole of creation. So something you said an eternity ago can still be impacting you today. Wow, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another one. Companion soulmates are usually not meant to be forever, just like karmic relationships. These soulmates come into your life for a specific purpose and leave once the lesson has finished. Yeah, that's, um, it's funny, I was just thinking when you said that, that reminds me of, um, I've been doing talks recently on hospice when people mm -hmm. die, mm -hmm. and during the hospice period, you will have these caretakers just manifest um, my dad had a priest that came into his life a year before he died. Dad was not a religious church-going person. And this priest just appeared and started coming to the house and talking to dad. And I, I see him as a companion that helped dad to start to face death. Mm -hmm. So I'm, personally, I'm not familiar with this idea of companion soulmates. 
I guess I see that role that certain people have played in my life where there were people I worked with or I did theatre shows with and we had a deep connection for that show but then now they're not in my life but at the time I learnt and created so much from with them. Yeah Uh, and I I can see that through my life too that I've had people in my life for just a certain amount of time and then never seen them again. Yeah. That you remember, they've impacted mm-hmm. you in some fashion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another term I was given by my teacher was soul comrades. <laughs> comrades, like compadre or comrade, meaning there are people who have a particular teaching to share with you throughout your life. So you came, your soul said, I'm going to do this this life and I'm going to have this person and this person as my comrades. And you learn from their life lessons. So, for example, if they have failures or struggles, you learn how, from how they overcome their struggles and you share with each other and you help each other to through basically being a witness to their life. So you may not have a lot to do with them, but even just watching how the person deals with, with life and overcomes their challenges or doesn't, fails that has a big impact on you and you you all agree to do that and that that can be a pact between siblings so sometimes you have very traumatic um, parents (laughs) with your siblings Mm -hmm. and you've chosen to incarnate and said we're all going to see how we overcome this particular difficult family Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're all going to learn from each other because you're all in the same mess and you're all trying to, as adults, overcome that difficult family. What is the difference between twin flame and soulmates? Soulmates are two souls destined to be together, while the twin flame is the same soul cut in two. Soulmates are compatible and meant to be together, while twin flames encourage growth and awareness in each other. So I've mentioned earlier that this um, twin flame idea is sometimes used um, to get us to focus on one person that's going to encourage growth and awareness. And from what I've shared, you can see that all of these soulmates reflect different aspects and the teaching I have around that soul group I actually was directly shown that through my university in India it's called ECOM and it's something that you get to experience through meditation and experiential processes so it's sort of like out-of-body experiences where you start to witness things through a different way of looking at your life you start to do life review and then you start to see different relationships and different people in your life and the role they played. And any relationship that you have um, can help connect you to your soul. So if we see the twin flame as being outside of our um relationships and we have to find them what it can do is start to make you um, feel like that you need to make this relation come to you and instead when there are people already in your life I feel those are the relationships we need to start um, exploring And if you have a stranger come into your life, that's a really interesting situation and you feel like, oh, this could be a twin flame connection or a soulmate connection. What I would hesitate in that thinking is it actually stops you actually asking what's the significance of this relationship. It's better to start from the point of view as like, why is that certain person coming into my life? What are they showing me? about myself so that's just one 
tip I want to... I'm going to talk about fear of missing out later because I think that's unfortunate what some people teach with the twin frame teachings. A lot of single people fear that they're somehow missing out on this um, perfect soulmate twin flame connection and I disagree. I think I think the opposite not the opposite. I think we need to ask what's if you do meet someone and you feel a sexual chemistry or a um a part of you is longing or or a part of you is triggered, you need to ask first what's this trigger, if it's sexual chemistry or what is this showing me? What's the significance of that? sexual energy being triggered or that attraction what's it showing me and if you want a romantic connection that's lifelong the most important thing is to feel what do you feel in your heart because all of the other sexual stuff is a distraction <laughs> Angela do you believe in cutting cords to remove attachments and can a connection be cut with a twin flame or a kindred spirit? No, I don't believe um, in cutting a connection to a twin flame or kindred spirit because at the soul level you are connected. Your personality might want to cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. If it's a connection, it's a connection. Souls don't need to cut off connections because they're in complete acceptance of the roles that you're playing, even mm -hmm. if that role includes pain, they're in acceptance of that because you came to resolve stuff and to see what the significance of the relationship is. So you can resolve it. Um, and the other question I have is, if with cutting cords, why would I incarnate to cut someone out energetically? Like, why would I be in a body to go, yuck, I don't, uh, get that person away from me? <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I understand if I get used by someone, I need to have a physical separation. I get that completely. Mm -hmm. But if energetically I can just stop answering the phone, so why do I need to cut the cords energetically? Um, because that is significant. If you are feeling energetically, like if you don't have physical contact with someone and energetically you're feeling pulled or weighed down by them, you need to ask the significance. Why is this happening? Cords are like emotional, mental and psychic energy, which is emotional, mental energy, attachments. That's you thinking about the other person. You feeling emotionally not good enough. You feeling... I want a relationship and I don't have one and this person could give me something. That's our emotional body. So in the 90s, the 1990s, we used to do cord cutting and it didn't really sit with me because I felt like I was doing something that I would do if, if I was a child and I was very insecure. Oh, I'll just get rid of that. I, I don't need that. It didn't feel like a strong person that was confident. Mm -hmm. And I do think cutting cords is useful if you... For example, if you keep thinking, I have to look after this person, I have to be there for this person all the time, I have to do this, I have to, I have to, I have to. Yes, you can say, I'm going to cut that psychic cord of thinking I have to play that role. But then you need to ask, what is this role? What, what is this showing me, this thought that I have to play that role? That's why the psychic cords are there, to, to show us our thinking and our fears, our emotional fears, that somehow we're not strong enough to face the, the significance of this relationship. Um, so if you, if you think you still have to be there for someone because you feel guilty, oh, if I leave this relationship, they're going to hurt themselves or they'll hate me or they'll tell their mother that I'm a terrible person, I'll never be able to face them. We make up these stories. It's much simpler and more efficient to see why you feel guilty. What's the source of the guilt? What role do you think you have to play? And then you'll start to see that those psychic cords will dissolve. You don't need to cut them. Um, so when we did the cutting of the cords back in the 1990s, what happened was the cords would come back 
and we have these thoughts as healers, oh, we're not doing it right, we're not doing this, we're not blah, because we weren't getting to the source. And that's why I see that understanding what that connection is at the soul level is so important. So if you understand the soul connection, then many times you don't need to cut any cords. The cords dissolve because you're taking responsibility for the thoughts that you have, that you think you have to play that role. Um, sometimes you might need a session to actually see the soul connection. In the example with Oliver Lazar, um, he witnessed the death of a, a young girl who he had no connection to in real life, in this life. He, and then he had incredible grief. Then he went to a medium and she told him that in a past life he was the father of that daughter and he couldn't forgive himself for her death in the past life. So in this life he witnessed the death again and then when he went to the medium, at the soul level he understood why he carried the grief and then he could let go of the grief because he understood the soul relationship. So with a twin flame, if you see um, a person as a twin flame connection, someone that you've got this emotional, romantic longing for, you can actually resolve that when you understand what in the past life happened and you take action, creative action, not um, pushing away action, to heal that unresolved energy. So I wouldn't cut out a twin flame or someone you think is a member of your soul group because at the soul level you always love each other and you're supporting each other to grow. And I don't see a need to cut someone out if you're connected at a soul level. And uh, I'll give you another example. And it, I had a case where there was a past life where everybody in that group died in a massacre and then a couple from that life were in this life. They were unable to break up because they were too traumatized to make the break and that triggered that sense of complete loss and failure from the other life for both of them. So then one partner saw what they were both thinking in the past life when the massacre actually happened, the moment of the death. And when that person saw what was happening at the moment of death, they saw that it was keeping them attached to the relationship in this life. So when they saw that, they said, ah, oh, now I understand. I don't need to stay in the relationship. I can break up. So in this case, both partners didn't need to see what the past life connection was for just one person. And then that person, because they were able to understand their addiction or compulsion to stay in the relationship, but after seeing what had happened in the past, they realized I can leave the relationship. And they started to celebrate the other person, their partner having a separate independent life. They encouraged the person to do what they wanted just naturally. And they didn't even have to talk about ending the relationship. They just started to enjoy having separate lives. So the person that saw the past life and the soul connection, they saw that they no longer needed to sacrifice because the massacre was a, a sacrifice. And that helped them leave without that feeling of losing. So it was an actual enormous healing, it was healing a sense of loss that the soul had been dragging around for a long time and then there was no need to cut cords and there was a deeper appreciation of um, the soul, of the person that they broke up with. It was like, oh, I actually see you now, thank you, I can let you go and that was a, an enormous um, gift to move on and from the previous life where there was still a strong bond but they could move on. Wow, so they stopped the cycle from continuing on. Yeah, and that's, that's what karma is here for us to stop those cycles. We mm -hmm. see the energy, we forgive, we heal, we understand. Because you, you don't need to forgive if you understand. Mm -hmm. You just go, oh, oh, and then you can go, okay, we can finish this. It's very, very big energy shift. 
And so finally, I'd like to address the fear of missing out from phenomena, which has happened with some of the twin flame teachings that have become popularized. And the fear of missing out is the thinking, I, everyone else, or those people have this ideal twin flame relationship, but I don't. Everybody longs for someone to complete them. And then the years go on, you're still single, and you're still beating yourself up for being single and not able to find this person that will somehow complete you. In the twin flame teachings, I find people get obsessed with finding the twin flame and they get an intense sexual or romantic or fantasy connection with someone who then ghosts them and then they start making up the story that the person who they had this sexual chemistry or intense romantic connection or one night or three weeks, they the person ghosts them, doesn't return their calls, but it was a twin flame and in order to still feel that the connection was meaningful, they called it a twin flame. And that's why the person doesn't hang around because literally the connection was so intense <laughs> that it just was too explosive and they just literally um, pushed each other away. It was like the Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard all sorts of stuff through the twin flame groups and um, I, I, just, I just feel like it's used as a way to justify intense sexual romantic encounters that then don't eventuate into a long-term relationship. And I think the danger is if you stay in thinking, I've got this intense sexual chemistry, therefore it must mean something, you don't actually look for what the meaning is. What is it showing you? Like I told you earlier with my example, the intense sexual chemistry was to teach me not to ignore my heart. I was never to ignore my heart again because in previous lifetimes I'd made it all about the sex mm -hmm. and I ignored major things in myself that I was really wanting to focus on as a soul. And this time I met the person and was like, mm -mm, not doing that, no way. <laughs> so really avoid feeling you're missing out and ask um, if you can't explain the connection and the relationship not continuing, it can really hurt you and, that, and it can leave you feeling confused and lost. And that itself, you can ask, what's the significance of being in this continued, continual feeling of hurt? Why do I need to feel this? because that could be significant to your growth. There's a, a song by Katie Lang, I think it's from the 90s, Constant Craving. Do you remember that song? Constant Craving by <laughs> Katie Lang. So some of us need to move through craving for love. But in that state, it's a very teenage love. It's like Romeo and Juliet. They're constantly wanting to be together and they well, you know what happened to them. They didn't end well. And we romanticise that craving. But then in Romeo and Juliet's story, they don't actually get to be together. Right. They die. So constant craving is a phase. And you need to understand, if I'm in this phase, why? What's my soul trying to get from this? And instead of being in that phase, what will help me to move out? of that phase because your longing for love replaces real connection and it keeps you in an infantile stage like Romeo and Juliet in that teenage young phase. And it reminds me of a fantasy in the 90s we used to tell ourselves, which you might know from the movie The Diary of Bridget Jones, where they, you have this intense connection with someone Actually, with Colin Firth in the beginning, they didn't like each other. Do you remember Colin Firth with that Christmas party? He rejects her. He doesn't like her. I don't know if you remember. 
I've never even seen the movies, so now I'm going to have to watch them. He's got this terrible Christmas jumper. You have to watch it for the jumper. <laughs> the sweater, sweater, sorry. The sweater is priceless. It's my favourite scene. He's at a Christmas party and he meets Bridget Jones. And he doesn't like her. <laughs> but we have this fantasy where um, you have an intense connection and then the, the that person disappears and then many years later they've come back and say, no, no, I want you. It's you that I want, not those other people, it's you. And the fantasy is to make you feel validated because it makes you feel that that intense connection was real. Mm -hmm. And the person leaving you is not evidence that you're ugly or fat or worthless or not enough. So that's a fantasy that most of us have. It's a it's classic medieval fantasy as well and it's a big part of growing up like in your teenage years but if you stay in those states of longing or wanting someone to validate your worthiness it can't really help you grow and it keeps you focused on what you don't have and then you actually miss many opportunities for real connection and some people even create this belief that they're unlovable which is not what your soul, maybe your soul needs to make you see. Stop focusing on how you think you're unlovable. That could be a big lesson. And my final, I've said it a few in a few ways in this podcast, but my final point is that a sexual connection does not mean anything at the soul level. Sexual energy is only or primarily to bring two souls together but the souls only want connection they don't want sex they don't need it they don't care about it they just want connection so very be very aware if you're focusing on the sexual energy because it's a it's a big distraction from what your soul is really looking for and i've got some questions that you can ask yourself if you're exploring a, a connection that you feel could be a twin flame or a soulmate sexual chemistry that you're getting stuck on. Number one, why do you want to have this powerful, intimate connection? We'll have the questions in the show notes as well. Number two, if you want a lifelong, powerful, intimate connection, what are you excited about sharing with someone over a lifetime? Not just a weekend or a few years, over <laughs> a lifetime. <laughs> a lifelong connection requires a different way of thinking about love, like being there for someone when they're sick or grieving or dying or um, having a bad day or having a birth of a child, what think about everything that you want to experience. Even just cooking and lying on the couch, everything. Number three, what do you want to experience in being a witness to someone else's life and their journey? It's not just about you're not just reflecting yourself, you're sharing that reflection with the person. Number four, if this person that you think is your twin flame does not stay in your life, why do you still want them? What is it that you deeply want from a physical relationship with the partner? Being a witness to someone is what I believe the twin flame idea originally was aspiring to inspire us to think about. How can being a true witness to someone teach you about yourself? And what I'll finish with is a film um, about that relationship bliss. And we have these BS ideas about perfect couples. So one movie that I really love that teaches us about 
this dynamic of thinking people have to have this perfect relationship is the film Shall We Dance? And in that movie, the actress Susan Sarandon is the wife of Richard Gere. And Richard Gere starts to have a connection with Jennifer Lopez, who's his dance te teacher. And I'm not spoiling that too much, but I'll share. Susan Sarandon's character says a line in the film that I'm not quoting directly, but she says her idea of a, of a relationship, the purpose, is to be a witness for her husband and for him to be a witness of her life. And that, I've got my hairs and my arms standing up and the pimples now, actually. It just, it's a moment in the film that the whole movie's great, but that moment really went deep inside me and touched my soul because for me it's the greatest gift you can have with anybody to witness their life and share in that person's journey. And the couples I see that are deeply bonded don't label themselves as twin flames. They've discovered um, complete freedom in their relationship because they don't look for their partner to fulfill some concept of love. They instead deeply appreciate the gift of being able to witness someone's life and be part of their journey. And the movie Shall We Dance does a beautiful job of sharing that. So here's the question for the listeners. What soul group do you think is Angela's and Patty's? And who are in your soul group? Thank you, Angela, so much for sharing your expertise and the in-depth explanation and opinion of Twin Flame and Soulmates with the listeners and me. We would love to hear your perception, belief, and experience with Twin Flame relationships. Thank you so much for listening. Please share the podcast with others and give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes so many more people can find us and listen to the podcast. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message. And please like or share the podcast or donate with the anchor donate button. We really value your feedback.